the beginning that you're chasing deal after deal after deal and not necessarily building those systems. And until you stop and build those systems, you're really setting yourself up for success for the long haul. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Gary Lipsky. Gary is joining us from Manhattan Beach, California. He was a previous guest on our podcast. So if you Google Joe Fairless and Gary Lipsky, the episodes will show up. Gary, we're glad to have you back. Thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Yeah, thanks for having me back. I love the podcast. Awesome. So today is Sunday. Best ever listeners, we are going to do a skill set Sunday where we talk about a particular skill that our guest has. Gary is a full-time syndicator and has 19 years of investing experience. He has over $41 million of assets under management. Gary, before we get into your particular skill set, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, I've been an entrepreneur even growing up as a kid. I started a restaurant delivery service while I was in college, kind of like a DoorDash and Postmates. Certainly didn't have that vision then. I co-produced three independent films in my 20s. I also had an outdoor ed leadership development and outdoor education company. I sold that at the end of 2016 and I had been investing in real estate and this allowed me to get into real estate full-time and learn as much as I could before I started doing my own deals. So you don't sit still. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get accused of that a lot with from family and whatnot. Yeah, I like to keep busy. So Gary, you said you've been investing in real estate a long time. Was it the typical route, starting out with single families, progressing to multifamily? My very first investment was a house I was going to live in. And I looked at that as an investment, not like I was going to live in it for 40 years like my parents. And so we bought the house, no money down. We were in debt. We opened up the kitchen. We converted the garage to my office space. And that was quite honestly how I was able to afford the house. I was charging my business some rent money too. And and having people, we were working out of the garage. We had like four or five people working out of the garage at one point, going in the house for the bathroom. But eventually I bought another house and converted another one into a single family rental and was looking for four units and six units. But eventually I learned from others about really going bigger and that it's much easier to do, let's say a 40 unit or an 80 unit versus by myself, a four or eight unit. And I'm glad I went that route. And it really opened the doors to really rocket fueling my business. What was your first large multifamily investment? It was a 42 unit deal in Tucson. We paid 1.65 million for that. And then our second deal, we went to a $15.3 million deal in Phoenix. We've since sold both of them. And you said we, did you raise money for both deals? Yeah, I was a GP on both deals and I had a couple other partners as well. And if I didn't partner up, I wouldn't have been able to take down those deals myself. So obviously everyone knows real estate is a team sport and it was great to be able to partner with others and have their input and their expertise and share our resources. And that really helps get my real estate career going. Gary, did your partners have syndication experience? On the first deal, one of them did and one of them didn't. So it was good to be able to share, gain that confidence because when we're looking at deals, particularly your first one, you're nervous, you're typically way over conservative in your underwriting. 
And it's great to have someone that's done it before and, and kind of give some insight and participate in all the meetings and want not give you confidence so you can go after those bigger deals. Gary, your particular skill set is effectively managing larger properties. Why is it easier to manage larger properties? Economies of scale. Having full-time people that are working on your property and you can hold them more accountable. You have a lot more turnover on these smaller properties when they're not full-time. And so you get a much more quality person to manage and it certainly makes that easier. You hear a lot, go bigger, faster. But a lot of people take that with a grain of salt. They're naturally conservative, fearful rather. What advice would you give to people when they don't necessarily buy into the go bigger, faster philosophy? I get it. Everyone is different. But when you can partner up with someone, then maybe you're more willing to go bigger and, and partner with people that they can help raise some more money. Maybe their skill set is managing the manager and your skill set is finding the deal. So pooling resources is so important. And you could take down these bigger properties. You could get better loans. You can get better staff. You'll get lower property management fees. Your property management company will also pay more attention to you too, the bigger the deal as well. So there are a lot of advantages for going bigger. A lot of advantages. What are some of the pain points in growing? Certainly stepping out of your league on these bigger properties that it takes a while to implement a business plan. On our first property was a 42 unit. We implemented our business plan really quickly, quite honestly. When we got to 128 unit, it's moving a ship. It's a big ship. It's not a little rowboat that you're turning. It takes, takes more time. There's more problem, but thankfully you're paying someone to do that job on a daily basis. Now, again, you've got to hold them accountable. You've got to set really good expectations. You've got to stay consistently on your checklist because at times it's like herding cats. But if you have a good attention to detail, then you're way ahead of the game. Key performance indicators. Can we dive into the KPIs that you use both for assets and people? Yeah, very important. So your property management software, which you will have access to, will provide some KPIs, but we use RealPage and it connects to the Yardi software and we get over 100 KPIs. But certainly there's ones that we want to focus on and NOI is a big one. There are all these different things that feed into it. So we're going to look at that as a whole and then break down all the different things. So one of the things we like to look at for leasing is where are our leads coming from and where are we getting conversions from? Because just because, let's say, apartment guide is bringing me 200 leads in a month, I might only get one conversion from that. So I want to carefully track where I'm getting the most conversions and how I'm spending my money. Because if I cognizant of cost per conversion, that's going to save me a lot of money for this property and for other properties. And it's going to be different from city to city and maybe some submarket to submarket. So you really got to pay attention and break it down. And that's what KPIs allow you to do. Really break everything down so you can analyze it, figure out where there's bottlenecks or where there's issues. But if you're looking at anything as a whole, you really can't figure out where any problem lies. I would imagine the hardest part of all of this is still managing your staff. How do you effectively do that? Let's say on our weekly property calls, we have a, a Google sheet that we have. And each week we have a different tab for our property report. And we also have a tab for 
tasks. And on those tasks, someone's name is assigned there, what needs to happen, by when, and when it's completed. And Google Drive is free to use. There's no cost factor, so there should be no excuse not to use it. And it really holds people accountable. You don't want to show up the next week. And if you had something to do and it wasn't done, it's there for everyone to see. So we're not trying to gotcha anyone because that's not what we're trying to do. But people write notes down on little pieces of paper like me or forget it happens. Everyone's got a bunch of different things that they're working on. So it's just having that up there for everyone to see. If we have our meeting Monday and Wednesday, you're like, did I have something to do this week? And you can go and see it. And if your name is there, then you can get it done. And having that accountability tool is really key. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. I'm a fan of Google Sheets, and we've tried a lot of different task managers and collaboration software. Is that what you solely use to manage people's tasks? Not solely. We'll use a, a Trello board as well. And again, you can get that for free. So we'll use that on unit renovations. So our renovation team will see when we have a unit that's going to become available and, and they'll be notified as well. We know what lead time they need to make sure they have all the appliances, everything they need in advance. They could move it along the Trello board. Hey, we've now demoed it. We've now done this. So we can see where we stand in all the unit renovations. Our leasing team can see it. So they'd make sure that hey, we're going to get this thing leased up and someone moved in as soon as it's ready. And we don't want to have any dead time in a perfect world, but that's another collaborative tool we use. We've also been using Monday.com, which I like as well. And again, that's another free tool that we have a lot of data on there. And was the first one Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O? Yep. Okay. Well, Gary, you've got a well-oiled machine right now, but I want you to go back to when you had the growing pains what are some hard lessons that you learned? Building systems from day one, we didn't know what we didn't know. So Excel is a really good tool, but, but putting together systems holding people accountable, tracking everything, because if you're not tracking it, it most likely isn't going to get done or you're going to forget. I can't recall any times where we're really screwed up, quite honestly, because I've had that business experience. But building those systems is really important as we continue to grow. And that's helped a lot. 
in the beginning that you're chasing deal after deal after deal and not necessarily building those systems. And until you stop and build those systems, you're really setting yourself up for success for the long haul. And in terms of attracting and communicating with investors, what do you use? We use MailChimp. We went to Active Campaign for a while. We've kind of switched back to MailChimp. Active Campaign was kind of doing weird things when you're emailing things out. Some people swear by it. Whatever you use, you just need to be consistent. Tell people what you're working on. I think my mistake in the beginning was if I didn't have a deal, I wasn't reaching out and building my investor database. And you've got to forget all that, even if you haven't done any kind of deal. Talk about what you're learning. You need to prime your investors. And I was very slow on doing that in the beginning. So that was one of my mistakes. So how should people starting out do that? Is it just a monthly email, a newsletter? What would you recommend? A monthly newsletter, talking about different markets that they're looking in, sharing some data, priming potential investors for a potential deal. And that won't be your only form of communication. But when you see that person, you may talk about things that you're doing and refer back to that newsletter, but you're preparing people to invest in real estate. And quite honestly, there's a lot of people don't know this amazing opportunity to invest in real estate. All they know is they've got this financial advisor and it's stocks or a mutual fund. So it takes some time for people to get comfortable. I've got some good friends that jumped on board with me right away and some other friends that are just very quote unquote risk averse to this, even though this is the best risk adjusted returns out there. And they're very slow to come on board because it's just something different and new to them. And what do you do to educate those people that are hesitant to come on board? I never force it down their throat. They're going to come around when they come around. And when they hear that we sell a deal in under two years for 2X, their ears perk up. We talk about all the different things that we're doing and deals filling up right away. They want to be a part of that. So one by one, they get involved or they've heard of their friends getting involved and they come around, but it's really got to be on their timeline. You can't force anyone into it. You want to make sure they really understand what they're getting into. And it's cool when they finally do come around and they get excited about the deals. And oftentimes they start bringing their friends too. So once you get a few deals under your belt and you've got some exits, it really makes it a lot easier to raise money. Is there a way you can encourage existing investors to get their friends involved? Referrals are important. Like a buddy of mine set up a dinner the other day. There was like five couples and, and friends that people were asking him about it. So he did that on his own fruition, but we wrote a book, Best in Class. And so what we are doing is asking all of our investors if they want us to send it to any of their friends that are interested in investing in real estate and, and send it as a gift from them for the holiday. So that's one of the things we're doing. We're always asking for referrals. Some people are really good about it. Some people aren't, but you, you have to make that ask and you have to give them something for that as well. So the book is a useful tool. Taking people out to dinner is another one just to get to know someone, a friend of a friend. So those are things that you could be doing and just constantly cultivating those relationships. How do you reward somebody for getting referrals to you? Taking them out to dinner, buying them a nice gift and saying thank you. And even if that person doesn't invest, sending them a thank you, buying them a nice gift. A small gift is just a, a fraction of a cost of finding a new investor that may be coming back deal after deal or bringing someone else involved. So the cost is so minimal. 
And that's, I think, in life anyway, any kind of referral to an insurance agent, a broker, whatever it is, I've always been one to cultivate my network and I do a lot of favors for other people. And conversely, people know that I do that and do favors for me and and introduce me to other people because I've been good to them. So really important to cultivate that network, not just from a real estate investing perspective, but life in general, and it'll come back in spades. And what do you think about outsourcing that investor relations? Is that something that you have team members do or do you and the other principals handle that yourself? I do have an operations manager that helps set up emails and sets up calls and stuff, but I still like that one-on-one communication with the investor. And maybe down the road, I just can't do it as I continue to grow, but I do like to get to know my investors. I want to make sure they understand what they're getting into. It's all about relationships. I'd rather do less deals and have smaller amount of investors that I'm friendly with, that I have good communication with and be this kind of business where I don't have those personal relationships because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Yeah. You're not looking to just turn and burn. Yeah. Gary, if you look at a typical day for you, what is one thing you wish you could change, add, or subtract from your day? I guess the social media piece, it's a necessary evil and I'm getting my team to do more of that for me. Um, But I don't want to be all over social media. But what I do like is... Like I said, that relationship building with brokers, with investors, with peers. So you do need a little bit of that in social media. And I love going to conferences like the Best Ever Conference or meetups and get out there, talk real estate. You're always learning something new from someone else. And that's the beauty of this industry. You can be doing this for many, many years, but someone else might have a new idea. So that's what's great about going to these events to see what other people are doing. All right. You're an outgoing guy. Why do you dislike putting yourself out there on social media? (laughs) You know, it's funny. I'm a bit of an introvert, but it's just time consuming, quite honestly. Posting and whatnot and responding to others, it, it does suck up a lot of time when here I am trying to do more deals and manage my business. But I also don't want to have someone responding as me too, because I've built relationships with these people and I just don't want a quote unquote robot responding. So it's tricky. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business, or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend Michael Blanc who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors and I bet you're having a challenge right now, 
especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. I'm going to give you unsolicited advice. I think you should be the one posting and responding and do it less frequently. If you want it to be authentic, I would rather interact with you than a member of your staff pretending to be you, right? I want to know what you have going on. I want to hear about your day. When you have a tough morning, a tough deal, I think that's what builds relationships. So I'm going to challenge you to do more of that. And I'm going to follow you. All right, Ash, you're on. Awesome. So going forward, what are your current pain points and or bottlenecks? Yeah, we need to grow our team. We've been talking about adding a asset manager slash acquisitions person. We're just getting all the, the benefits together, but that's coming out. And I'll probably hire someone by the time this podcast comes out, but that's a pain point, growing my team. And finding good deals with the cap rate compression, it's hard to find good deals that work. We just got an off-market recently, but just finding good deals, but things have been going very well. All right, Gary, I've known you now for about 20 minutes, and I feel like you're going to systemize the hiring process. What is it that you would do? Would you create the job description? Would you create the KPIs, how the person's going to be bonused all before looking for the hire? And then... What attributes and where are you going to look to hire that person? Absolutely. So my assistant pulled some other job posts before. So she kind of built it out and we've talked about the expectations and what we want out of this person. And then we're posting out through our networks and Indeed, and we're looking for a real go-getter, a real problem solver, someone that's going to fit within our culture and be with us for the long haul. And how do you weed people out in an interview? Yeah, that's a really good question. I've done hundreds of interviews in my lifetime and sometimes I nail it and sometimes I don't, you know, it's frustrating. But sometimes you need to hire someone, you might fail and hire the wrong person, fire quickly. But then after you've had that person, you might've learned things that you should have asked or looked for that you didn't necessarily at that first time. So you check their references, you try to get a good feel. It's funny, my last hire, I just had a feeling like she interviewed pretty good. She really wanted the job, but her resume wasn't a perfect fit for this. But we took a hunch and the gut feeling and she's been fantastic. So sometimes you got to go with the gut. 
Yeah, I thought the story was going to end bad. I'm glad that one worked out for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So what's next for you guys? Continue to, to build the company, do four or five deals a year. I'm focused on Phoenix and Tucson, but we're looking at some other markets as well and partnering with some other people, building our team out. And we're big proponents of asset management. We're not going to take on more deals if we can't asset manage our properties correctly. So that's first and foremost, taking care of the properties that we currently own and keep doing good work. What markets are you looking in? So Phoenix and Tucson is us, but I do have some partners looking in the Texas markets. I've invested as an LP in, in a number of different deals and Joe as well. There's a lot of markets I, I love, but I can't be an expert in all of them. So some of the partners that I'm working with are experts in those markets and we potentially partner up and, and do some more deals. I love that philosophy. Just like you partnered up on your first syndications, even though you've achieved all the success, you're still looking to partner up and grow your business. So thanks for sharing that. I love that. So a typical investor in one of your deals, what's the hold period and what's their return look like? Typically it's a two X return. We say in five years, we've been doing that in two, three years. Deals have been moving pretty quick, as you know, so it could be a three-year hold time, but we'd rather under promise and over deliver because then investors will keep coming back for more. So we'll typically say three to five-year hold time, two extra money, 15 to 18% IRR, but cash on cash is getting tighter and tighter these days too. So investors need to understand that potentially there could be zero cash flow in the first six to 12 months these days because there's so much loss to lease. And is that your metric on when you sell, if you can 2X your investor capital? Yeah, for the most part, we want to hit our projected return and someone brings us an amazing offer. And, and we also want to understand if it's a newer asset, maybe we refi and hold longer. If it's an older asset, then we want to get out a little quicker because you're going to have more deferred maintenance. So each asset, each market is a little bit different and we'll have those constant conversations with the broker on a yearly basis to see where the market is going, what kind of deal we can get, where we stand on our business plan. Is there a ton more room to go? Or we also like to take advantage of time value of money. If we've maxed out our business plan and it doesn't make sense to refi, then maybe we look to sell. If we can refi and we still see more gains down the road, then we'll hold longer. So you got to evaluate each property on its own. Is there a sweet spot that you found in terms of how long to hold a deal from an investor's perspective? It's interesting. So some of the older time veteran investors, they're not in any hurry to sell. If you want to hold it 10 years, they're fine with that. Some of the newer investors, they want to see more turnover. They want to get their cash out and invest in another deal. So I would say, yeah, that sweet spot is, let's say, four or five years, depending upon your investor base. Yeah, I think that was well said. I'm an LP on a number of investments. And when they go five years, it's almost like they're getting stale. They're still returning capital, but it's like they're getting stale. It's like, hey, let's do something else. Like, give me my money back and let's find another deal. So that's great. I think for our best ever listeners, if you have older investors, they're really looking to park money. They just want to grow it. They may not want as much turnover, but anybody under 50, I would say, I mean, they kind of want to turn and burn. They yeah. want the excitement of new deals, right? Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Gary, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing a lot of your knowledge, building systems and 
partnering with other people. You've given us a ton of advice. How can the best ever listeners reach out to you? You can go to my website, breakofdaycapital.com, and I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. So connect, let's talk real estate. Awesome. And I'm going to follow you as soon as we hang up here. And I want to start seeing some posts. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you again. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a best ever day.